Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, here with Elias Randall. Elias, welcome back. Roger, hello. Thanks for having me on the show again. How you doing? It's the first time you've ever been on the show. I feel like we should get somebody else on the show to join us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. If we had a guest every every now and then, I'm sure people would like that. You know, it's funny you mentioned maybe we should have a guest. I'm I'm looking for a guest uh, appearance by the Plaid Planner again. Who's that? You were the Plaid Planner for a long time. And now well, you're wearing this black be- sports shirt. And I know you mentioned that you're going to maybe just start wearing black polos on every show. But I kind of miss the Plaid Planner. I've moved on to uh, bigger and better celebrity status for myself so we'll see what happens i don't know maybe the plaid planner will come back maybe not well i know one thing we've been talking about the last few weeks and it it seems like a lot of people are mentioning this in fact somebody called in the other day and mentioned this exact series but it was the madoff documentary that was put on by netflix and i know you you watched it before i did but I thought it'd be good to kind of take a look at, you know, the five key things we can learn from this documentary and kind of how he pulled this off and how investors can protect themselves from the same types of schemes. I think that's a good idea. I Before we jump into the actual kind of the highlights and the lessons, I think one underlying thing I thought about while I was watching was the amount of greed involved in this whole thing because there's certainly um one bernie madoff is a greedy person obviously but i think some of the things you think about there's other people there's retail investors giving him money there's hedge funds giving him money all these people are basically saying okay i'm so greedy that i have to have these type of returns, even though most people should know better, you should really know better that. And I, that's the first lesson. If it looks too good to be true, it is. And then this is my speculation, but, and I don't believe anyone got in trouble other than Bernie Madoff. I actually looked, I looked it up the other day. I think some people did get in trouble, but he got in the majority of it. I, I feel like other people knew I think some of the people investing money with him, they knew what was going on, but they went along with it because, and that's my speculation. I don't know that's true, but they went along with it because they knew that they could make, uh, you know, make whatever type of return return they wanted. But I just think it's such a greedy the the whole thing, everything about it. That's that's really kind of was my my overall thought and takeaway from it. Yeah, I I agree. It was massive fraud just in every single possible avenue. And and what's amazing are there are people that kind of thought it was too good to be true. There are a couple, you know, French um, money managers that really drove some of this. One of them, his name is Rene Thierry Magone de la Villachute, it looks like. He lost one point. Yeah, I can't pronounce that, man. I'm doing my best here. But he actually committed suicide after he lost $1.4 billion. Um, and I think that's the guy in the movie when someone asked him, well, what if this, what if this goes wrong? Like, what if this whole thing 
is a fraud. And in the movie he says, or in the, I shouldn't say movie, but in the documentary, he says, well, I'm a dead man. That was his exact words. And here's the unfortunate thing about this. This didn't go unnoticed all the way back to 2000. There were, there was a money manager who had rang the bell at the SEC multiple times saying there's no possible way these returns exist. Like it can't be done. I mean, he was winning like 98.4% of the time. I mean, I, th I think you said it best on a previous show. What's the best way to time the market? Make up the trades at the end of the day. Well, so yeah, that, that's how you're right. 90% of the time, whatever their number was. I mean, if you think about what it probably takes to be successful as a day trader, it's being right like 55% of the time. If you're right 55% of the time and you're using the same you know, the, uh, kind of the same trading amount each time you'd be net positive. That'd be a home run, but well, you're right. 98. I mean, you're never wrong, ever wrong. To my knowledge, I believe, I think it's the, is it, it might be called the Renaissance hedge fund that they're considered maybe the most successful hedge fund of all time. And to my knowledge, they were correct on trades 51% of the time. And they're legitimate. They're not a Ponzi scheme. So that's the most successful not Ponzi scheme hedge fund. And they were right 91% of the time. And Bernie Madoff's fund was right 90. It was like 96 or 98. It was something so no one's ever even gotten close to that. It was, you know, it's not like you're cheating by 10%. And, oh, okay, maybe that's actually doable if you're lucky enough. Like that's pretty blatant. Well, one of the things that really helped him keep this fraud going was that he had a legitimate business that was considered one of the best market makers on in the market. And he had ends with the SEC. So it was almost like they were just overlooking it because, oh, it's Bernie. It's all okay. I mean, this business went unregistered for however, I mean, it's not hard to check registration. It's literally just, well, today, today you just type in the computer, I guess 20 years ago, maybe it wasn't quite as easy. But for a regulator, it should have been about the easiest possible thing out there. Yeah, and that was one of the craziest parts of the whole documentary was he received a phone call. So Bernie Madoff gets a phone call from someone at the SEC about his investment advisory business not being registered. And he basically just told him, oh, I already talked with your boss about this. I don't have an investment advisory business. And they just took, they just, oh, okay, sounds good, Bernie. Took his word for it and moved on. Okay, so I've so, got what's some, that? something else amazing. Like that, and this is weird how things in life feed off of each other. But I remember um, an interview, and, and I actually went just went and pulled this up. When Jeff Bezos admitted to uh, one of his uh, friends at AOL that, Amazon would not exist if it wasn't for Bernie Madoff because Jeff Bezos was working at um, D.E. Shaw as a quantitative hedge fund, and he quit in the 90s to open his online bookstore, but he said he quit because he didn't, he didn't know how he was getting beat by Madoff. He, was, he couldn't figure out how he was getting beat. So he was competing against him, and he just gave up because he's like, I can't figure out how to beat this guy or compete with Nobody him. Nobody could beat him. Well, yeah, no one could. I mean, that's even when the the other, and I forget the gentleman's name. We'll have to look it up. 
from the investment management firm. He's like, his boss is saying, hey, you have to figure out what he's doing. What is the trading strategy here? And you mentioned greed. They came up with a trading strategy that would be similar to what Bernie Madoff was doing. But on a monthly basis, the clients ran the risk of putting their portfolio at 50% at risk on a monthly basis to recreate the returns that Madoff was actually getting. So and you have one that's basically seen as risk-free and another one that is a legit trading strategy to mirror this, but 50% of the portfolio is at risk at any given time. Yeah, that's, that's just nuts. So I guess here's how people, and I, I actually think people should watch it. I think it's good for people to watch. I think it helps you learn about, you know, the industry and how these things happen. But I think if you're not going to, the number one thing, you know, we can help people with is, you know, what are some of the red flags? What are the things to look for? And I think the first thing you look for, and we've heard this over and over and over, but human nature gravitates towards this. If it's too good to be true, probably is. And this is sometimes, to me, it's kind of a gut feeling. I feel like there's been things in my life or something gets offered to and you're like, man, that sounds really great. But then you almost just have this feeling like, I wonder if it's too good to be true. And if you start to ask yourself that, then you should maybe try and figure that out, which to their credit, there were some institutional investors, Goldman Sachs and Solomon Brothers, they wouldn't work with Bernie Madoff because one, he wouldn't let he wouldn't let them do any due diligence to see how are you trading? How is this actually working? So good for them for not going along with, oh, this sounds great. We're going to do it. They felt like there was no proof. So I'm sure at some level they decided there's too much risk for our clients because we have no idea what's going on. We don't know how he's doing it. I've actually got a personal story about this. So there was a business deal. There was an acquisition I was looking to do. This would have been like 2015. And it was a gentleman from a different state. 49 years old. And I'm like, I have this conversation. It's like, yeah, I'll take less money up front if it's all cash and all these things are going on. It sounds great. And I asked him the question. I said, well, if you sell, what are you going to do next? Well, I don't know. I go, and I started thinking the red, the red flag is going off in my head. Like it's too, too inexpensive. He wants to get rid of it and he doesn't know what he's going to do. I don't know too many successful 49-year-olds who build a great business that don't know what the next step is, right? They don't think like that. They think, hey, I'm going to retire or sell this practice and do X. They have a plan. He had no plan. So I called my buddy who was helping put this deal together. And I just said, you know, I, I don't think I can do it. Something is up with this. Like, it doesn't make any sense. There's no way, like, the guy can't tell me what he's going to do. Tell me you're going to go, like, fish forever and just run off to the Caribbean. Just come up with something. Couldn't come up with anything. So I pass on the deal. Hear back from my buddy a year later. He sold the practice, la-da-da. Three days after he sold the practice, he committed suicide. And that well, was that's all. That's why he didn't know what he was going to do next. Right. But that, that goes back to, if it sounds too good to be true, if you just looked at all the boxes on paper, it was the greatest possible deal. But my gut told me this is like five states away and it, none of it makes sense to me why he would do this. He can't, literally, I, did, I didn't do it. 
I get goosebumps today because he couldn't tell me what he was going to do next. Everything else looked great. And it was probably a fair practice, but could you imagine the mess I'd have been in if I bought a practice expecting someone to help me transition it? And three days later, he passes away. It would well, have his been a, clients would be spooked. They would. That's a that's a major change for people. Yeah. So it, I think you hit it on the head. There's this gut feeling that goes with too good to be true. You know, interest rates today are paying a lot of interest. Based upon the past twenty years, some of them sound too too good to be true. What does some interest rates today? I just saw an ad for an eighteen month CD at four point nine percent with a local bank. If you look back at the last 20 years, that almost seems too good to be true. But it doesn't give me like a spooky feeling in my stomach. It doesn't give me no. the like weird gut reaction. So I think you hit it on the head. If if it just feels weird, it's probably not good. Um, two, you don't need to be an analyst to see the red flags. You know, if you think about most things that went awry, the red flags or something happened to let people know that they shouldn't be doing it. Remember I mentioned the the analyst earlier. It was his name was actually Harry Markopoulos and he was a quantitative analyst who he actually alerted the SEC that there was a problem and the SEC, you know, swept this under the rug. And in fact, there was a feeder fund that went out of business and the SEC did an investigation of the feeder fund and cleared the feeder fund of any wrongdoing, which ultimately almost gave Bernie Madoff more power because they saw it as legitimized by the SEC because they cleared this feeder fund. Like, you know, if, if you're having an investment, a feeder fund that goes out of business because of potential fraud, why would you keep your money and roll it back with the guy who's actually running the investments? Other than it's a great question. Everybody wanted their one percent per month with no risk. Yeah, it's I, honestly watching it's one thing, but then the more I, we talk about it, and the more you think about it, it's really incredible how long he pulled this off. I mean, and he grew sixty-five billion-dollar Ponzi scheme. I mean, that's a lot of. I just feel like a lot of things really lined up for him. Like a lot, it was like the perfect storm. He was the perfect guy to pull this off. He had the perfect relationships where people trusted him. No one ever thought he was going to do wrong by anybody. And he's doing very highly illegal things. One, you have an investment advisory business that's not registered. Like that's crazy that that could even exist. You got a phone call about it, told them, no, I don't. And they just listen. That's bananas. If we didn't, like if, if we did the equivalent and the SEC called and asked that, they wouldn't take our word for it. I know that. They'd but Bernie go, Madoff was so powerful. They just took his word for because it. Because he was connected. He was so yeah. interconnected into the community, um, into the SEC and the investment community in general. Three, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And this is tricky because people that were investing with Bernie Madoff probably were getting statements that they had diversified portfolios. Yeah, they so were they getting, felt diversified. They so were getting is, trade confirmations too. They're just fake. So they didn't feel like they were putting all their eggs in one basket. So when you work with an advisory firm, one of the things you can do is look to, hey, what are the different companies or what are the different ETFs or mutual funds that they're actually using? 
maybe it's individual stocks. And if you're putting all of your money in XYZ fund, you run the risk of XYZ fund sinking you. I almost equate this to um, when individuals come in here and they have highly concentrated positions in employer stock. And they don't understand why we tell them we really don't want you to have more than 10% of anyone holding in any one company. And all I mention is one name and then it makes everybody think differently. I said, you know, nobody thought Enron was going bankrupt. All the people that lost all their money in Enron, all the employees that had this stock that had done phenomenal, none of them thought they were going bankrupt. Had yep, they just had they 10%, did. would it affect their life? Yeah. Would it have bankrupted them? Most likely not. Yeah, I mean, if... Almost anyone, you can probably afford to lose 10% of your portfolio. Painful, poke in the eye, but you can probably overcome that with enough time and some planning and just knowing yeah. that you got to figure it out. And yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel bad for the people that lost a lot of money and it, you know, because they probably thought they were diversified. Um, so it's hard. This one's a hard one, right? The don't put all your eggs in one basket because this, they're painting this picture. Like you're a diversified investor. You're doing all the right things. So you'd almost have to lean on some of the other things that we already talked about. Just like, this just seems too good to be true. Cause this one, they were really, they did a good job of, um, kind of pulling the sheet over people's eyes or whatever you want to say on this. Well, a lot of this money was directed by this French financier who I mentioned earlier, this Villachette. You know, he had really successful, the wealthiest people in Europe investing money with him. Yeah. These people were entrusting him to go do the, do the due diligence to find the investments that made sense. And I'm guessing these people didn't just have him. You know, most wealthy people have more than, potentially one person, but maybe they did. And this guy really drove a lot of the Ponzi. So I want to say they brought in like 19 total billion dollars, even though on paper it showed a worth of 68 billion. That was with all the interest and gains that people had. But this Villachette, he had 1.4 billion, brought in 1.4 billion himself for Madoff. Yeah. It yeah, had, this guy, he he actually, he's the guy that he committed suicide after Bernie got arrested. Yeah. So don't put all your eggs in one basket sometimes can be more difficult. You know, it's easy for us to say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But my guess is none of these people thought they were. So if, if you're concerned about that, just have a conversation with your advisor and say, hey, how, how am I actually diversified here? And what's my risk if XYZ company goes out of business? and have them explain that to you. Um, four, be wary of market fads. You know, we've seen this recently. Oh we've yeah, seen, we're gonna see this more now. Well, I think we're gonna see it, market fads more now just because of the availability of information and how fast social media can spread information. But you know why people want to invest in it? Fear of missing out. It's a shortcut. And greed. It's the shortcut. Yeah. They think it's their way to the shortcut. Instead of doing all the hard work of sitting, setting up systematic savings and working some extra hours and watching their spending, they want to get a lottery ticket. 
Elias, I'm looking at the last item on this list, and I think this actually could be the hardest one to do. But it's trust but verify. Today, I believe it's easier to verify than it was 20 years ago. You could go really quick and see today whether Madoff Investments was even a registered investment company. Like you could just literally. Yeah, you I could, could easily do that. Yeah, now. today I could get on the computer and in 35 seconds, I would know whether this is a registered investment company or not. Okay. But if you think about how most people verify, most people verify by the friend that referred them. That's their verification process. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah, well, so-and-so over here has been investing with this guy for 20 years. They get their dividend checks. They're averaging 12% a year. They make 12% every year. It never goes down. And I've been doing it for 20 years. And most people see that verification as enough. Well, and that's what, you know, that's what Madoff, Bernie Madoff had. He had a huge network of just really good referral system because people trusted him and when he needed money, there was plenty of people waiting. He just start hitting people up. Hey, we need more money. Now's a great time to invest. You know, and it kind of goes back to, I made this comment to friends of mine who've been fortunate and done well, and they don't even invest with me, but they'll run by this obscure investment. And I, I never forget this. This is probably at least 10 years ago. I was at a friend of mine's house, highly successful physician, and he said, hey, what do you think about this? And it was um, it was a non-traded REIT. And I just looked at it and I looked at him and I said, you know, you only have to get rich once. And he looked at me and goes, what do you mean? I said, well, well why would you take this risk? And the company he was going to buy into actually was one. Actually, this would have been pre-08. It was one of the companies that turned out to be a complete fraud in 2009 and 10. And I don't know if he bought into the company or not, but my exact words are, you only have to get rich once. And he kind of looked at me like, yeah, okay. But he was, all of his friends who were physicians were investing with this guy and this guy went out of business. And it just made him think. And that's what I tell people. Why, why wouldn't you buy investments or hold investments in companies you own, you know, right? Who are the companies we know out there? I can go on and list companies over and over and over that, have had due diligence done. They send detailed statements to you about what's happening, or you can go invest your money in something you've never heard of before. Yeah. I just, so I just had a spooky thought. Sorry. I just got distracted, but yes. And I do have a couple other thoughts on the whole trust, but verify. I think if you can do, if you can do business with people that you are referred to and I do it, if I have, if it's maybe like work on a vehicle, which I have a mechanic now, but like most of the relationships that I have, even my physician were referrals just because I believe in, you know, there's certain people I feel like I can trust their opinion so I can start there. Um, but yeah, there's services out there. There's things that you can do to see, especially with financial professionals. Are they licensed? Have they ever had a complaint and things like that? There's uh, FINRA broker check. There's SEC action lookup and then investment advisor, public disclosure. So there's things that are offered that you can verify a person is who they say they are. They're licensed properly, what those licenses are, how they can help you. Um, but gosh, just what a mess if you got caught up in something like that. That would just be a mess. I mean, what 
all three of those places are places that I would go to look up someone if you're concerned, like broker check, SEC action, IAPD. What are you looking for? You're looking for, okay, if you had multiple complaints and what are they for? Right. It depends. Yeah. I mean, if you've for, done this right? business for 30 years, you might have a complaint. I mean, how are you going to keep everybody happy for 30 years? No business can do that. But so. if you have 15 complaints and it's all for unsuitable investment recommendations, maybe there should <laughs> be a flag. little bit of a red flag. You know, if it was someone had a misunderstanding, you know, maybe you overlook it, but you can find all of it out on Finner Broker Check. And once it's on there, it doesn't get off of there. So it could be something someone did 25 years ago. They could have been brand new in the business. But you look for patterns here. Hey, what's the pattern of XYZ individual? Is it good, positive, or negative? And like I said, if they have 15 complaints for unsuitable recommendations, that'd be red flag number one. Yeah, that. And then I guess, I don't know. I don't know how much I would expect people to know about licensing, but if you could maybe look at, okay, this person says they're a fiduciary. Well, maybe look and see if they actually have the licenses required. Even to better. Do that. If you go to Finner Broker Check or the SEC Action Lookup, it will say registered or not registered. I would just start there. If yeah. they're registered, they have some type of a securities license that they've had to pass to be in this business. If it says not registered or you can't find them, it means they're not licensed or they're no longer licensed and no longer licensed is scary because at one time they had it, they could be off doing their own thing now and not have a licensed company, not hold securities license whatsoever. But it doesn't matter if you're an investment advisor or, you know, a broker, you have to have some type of a license to do it. The licensing is different. So I think to tell someone to like wade through the mind of what's, what's, what is really hard. It's, are you licensed? Yes or no. Yeah. That's a good start. Just are you registered? Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with that. With that said, I hope every, you know, with that said, if you haven't watched it, go watch it because I actually think it's really interesting. Um, my wife who not really into what we do, she actually really got into the show and was asking me a lot of questions about it. So it's probably good if you watch with somebody that even has some level of knowledge of our industry or how it works, probably get more out of it. So with that said, with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Lies, do you have any closing thoughts for today? No, just everyone. Thanks for listening. And I guess we'll see you next time. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.